0: And, and you know, as, as I think back over those years and think about the, the, the preachers who preached, I, I can think about them, you know, and it's sort of like the old preacher who uh, preached one Sunday and, and, and a guy asked the, uh, another fellow that heard him, he said, well, what did the preacher preach today? And he said, well, he preached on sin. And, and he asked him, he says, was, we, was he furred or get it?" And you know the answer to that most of the time. Sometimes it's hard to tell, but but most of the time we know that the preacher was again it. Well, I'm assuming that you too, if you've been associated with the Lord's Church for long at all, you've probably heard your share of sermons and your share of sermons on worldliness, haven't you? You've probably even heard preachers preach on how worldliness is invading the church. And you've probably heard him preach about the idea, the concept uh, of worldly Christians. Have you ever heard somebody talk about worldly Christians? Randall, I'm not clicking it. There we go. Ever heard somebody talk about or a preacher talk about worldly Christians? You probably have if you've heard many sermons at all. Well, there was a a preacher of the first uh, part of the 20th century and latter part of the 19th century... Uh, He was a baseball player and he eventually became a Presbyterian preacher, but he's known for a lot of the sayings that he made. His name was Billy Sunday. And he said about these worldly Christians, he says, why to talk about a worldly Christian makes about as much sense as talking about a heavenly devil. Now you think about that one for a minute. Worldly Christians, heavenly devils, they just really don't fit together, do they? Well, you know, as we think about the idea of, Christians and Christianity and worldliness and all of these things that are associated with it. I'm reminded of Jeff Foxworthy and how over the years, you know, he has made millions of dollars in talking about you might be a redneck if. Well, we're sort of like that when it comes to worldliness, aren't we? You might be worldly if, and then we come up with a long list. You might be worldly if you drink alcohol. Or you might be worldly if you do drugs. Or you might be worldly if you go mixed swimming. Or you might be worldly if you dressed in modestly. Or you might be worldly if you play the harlot. Now, for those who are not familiar with the King James Version, that means make out or hook up or some of those other things that, that phrases that people use today. You're sexually immoral. Well, you know what? The problem is, old Jeff Foxworthy is, is pretty well right. We live here in Alabama. I have been to some of the houses of those folks who are described in his, you know, little gig. And, and you have too. You know them by name. You've, you've probably met some of them. And, and not only is Jeff Foxworthy right, but when we preach on worldliness and we speak about these things and people who claim to be Christians doing these things, that's right too. You know, if we practice these kinds of things in our life, we, we are not the kind of person that God wants us to be. But one thing that you might not know this morning, and that's this. Did you realize that the word worldly is never used in Scripture? Worldliness is never used in Scripture. That word worldliness never used in Scripture. We hear all these sermons about them. We preach about it. We talk about it. But worldliness is never used in Scripture. But even though the word worldliness is never used in Scripture, the thing about it is Jesus had some things to say about it. He, He had some things that you and I need to know. There's no doubt that that these ideas, these concepts of drinking and doing drugs and lusting and fornicating and all these kinds of things, they're worldly things. But but Jesus had some things to say about worldliness as well. But the problem is, what Jesus says about worldliness is probably not what we're used to hearing about the topic. Now, before you get all excited and everything, you know that Jesus has come up with all these kinds of things. Let Let me just get you a little more excited. You know, we set a limit on what worldliness is. We, we make lists about what worldliness truly is. But you might be surprised that Jesus does not put his list or does not draw his limits in the same place that we sometimes draw ours. Jesus' limits doesn't always mix with ours. Now, that doesn't mean that he approves worldliness. It means that More like this, that we draw our limits about right here. And Jesus tends to draw his out here. He encompasses what we count as worldliness, but adds some things to it. And so this morning, we want to spend just a few minutes talking about it. We can't speak about everything that Jesus says in regard to worldliness. If you read the bulletin this morning, you know that And I'll be speaking at uh, Faulkner this week at the lectureship. And my topic tomorrow morning is what Christ said about worldliness. And so we'll have a 45-minute lesson. We'll have some different things to say about it than what we're saying here. But I do want to make a couple of observations in regard to worldliness. And if Jesus preached on worldliness this morning, what are some things that he would say? What are some things that he would include? What would he tell us? What would he want us to know about worldliness if Jesus was the preacher here at Midway this morning. Well, as I think about that, I turn to the book of Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28, and I see some things that just jump out at me in that passage that have to do with worldliness. But let's read it together. The Bible says, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of God came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. As you're looking at that passage, you're saying, what in the world does that have to do with worldliness? Well, understand that James and John and their mother had approached Jesus about making them one sit on the right hand, one sit on the left hand, and, and making them great in the kingdom. And, and, and it caused some dissension among the other apostles. And, and Jesus, in Matthew, or rather John chapter 13, he, he takes that opportunity. And we talked about John 13 a little bit last week from the standpoint of how to act when a friend doesn't uh, act friendly toward us. But But in John chapter 13, Jesus uses that passage to put on a towel to wash the dirty, stinking feet of the apostles and to show them what it means to be a servant. And So he illustrates the point that he's making here in regard to servanthood in John chapter 13. But as we look at this passage as well, I think there's something else that jumps out that we should see, that we should understand, that we should hold on to, and that we should remember as Christians. In this passage, I want you to see that he talks about two different categories of people. Notice that he says there in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 20, he speaks about there in that first part, he says, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles, the rulers of the Gentiles, those who are, who are great in the, in, in the Gentile world, they, they have a specific kind of attitude. They have some specific thoughts but he speaks about the rulers of the Gentiles. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about worry. We looked at it from the book of Matthew, chapter number 6. And when we looked at that passage, we noted that the Bible speaks about in verse 33 that we're to seek the kingdom of heaven. That, that's what Christians, it's, it's primarily, that passage is primarily written to those who would be God's people. He says, we're to seek first the kingdom of heaven. That's verse 33. Verse 32, if you were here, you remember he said the Gentiles seek after these things, what to, be, what to eat, what to drink, what to put on, so forth. If you were here that Sunday, you remember that we said that Jesus spoke about what his people, what Christians should do, and then he spoke about what the Gentiles did. Basically, what we have is God's people and everybody else. God's people and the world. And that's what we have here. We have God's people in the world. And folks, we can choose to be like the rulers of the Gentiles, we can choose to be like those that jesus is speaking about here who who want a specific thing in their life or we can choose to be different notice back there in matthew chapter 20 if you look down to verse 28 in opposition to the rulers of the gentiles and and the people that he's speaking to his apostles he says on the opposite end of the scale you've got the son of man the son of man So you can choose to be like the rulers of the Gentiles or you can choose to be like the Son of Man. But my question this morning is, what's the difference? What is the difference in choosing to be like the rulers of the Gentiles or choosing to be like the Son of Man? Really and truly, the Son of Man is the one that Christians want to identify with, isn't it? He's the one that I want to be like. I don't want to be like the rulers of the Gentiles I want to be like Jesus. I want to do what He did. I want to say what He said. I want to go where He went. And so He gives us the choice between the two. He says, you can be like the rulers of the Gentiles or you can be like the Son of Man. But what is the difference? You know what? The difference is found back there in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. The Son of Man came not to be served. But to serve. Wait a minute. Jesus is doing something different than the rulers of the Gentiles. Yes, indeed he is. Jesus came to serve. But the rulers of the Gentiles, everybody else, they want to be served. Difference. Difference. Now, wait a minute. The rulers of the Gentiles, the everybody else, may I ask you who that is? Well, the rulers of the Gentiles are the people of the world, right? The everybody else, people of the world. Folks, there are some really morally upright people who packed the pews in a lot of different locations on Sundays. There's no need to preach to them about drinking. There's no need to preach to them about doing drugs. There's no need to preach to them about mixed swimming or being immoral. They have determined in their minds... That they will never do those things. Not only that, they are not even tempted to do those things. Right? And so there are some really morally upright people in the pews, but there are people who really get upset if they're not called and coddled. There, folks who are morally upright, who complain, well, I'm just not getting anything out of out of that congregation. And I want to be with somebody who really cares about me. Not in every case, but in many cases. It's sad that these folks who are complaining... I'm not, just not getting anything out of the congregation or the same folks who rarely, if ever, call anyone else to check on them, who, who, who never visit, who never help others, who, who really and truly hardly would lift a finger to serve the Lord. We're just being honest this morning. But they're really faithful in attendance. You can count on them being here every time the door is open or wherever they attend. May I ask you this morning, who are these more like? The Son of Man or everybody else? Who are they more like? Would you say they're more like Jesus or would you say they're more like the world? They're practicing the things that Jesus said to do or the things that the world does. They're worldly and filled with worldliness. Tough question, isn't it? Because, you know, when we think about it, I'm not worldly if I don't drink or if I don't run around on my wife or cheat and steal and do all these other things. I'm not really worldly if I don't do all that. I told you you might be surprised about the circle. Because we draw ours sometimes here. And Jesus, if He was preaching, He would include a lot of other things. In his sermon. You know, we could talk about a number of other things. We could talk about worry. We did a couple of weeks ago. And you remember I started this lesson by talking about verse 32 of Matthew chapter 6. For the Gentiles seek after these things. That's what everybody else, that's what the world does. But we have something else that we are to put first in our life the Lord and His kingdom. And so, this morning, if Jesus was preaching on worldliness, what would He have to say? You know, it's not just worry, and it's not just not being a servant, but I wish I had time this morning to go into what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, or rather chapter 13, verse 22. He talks about how the Word is sowed, and in the lives of some people, He says, The cares of the world caused them to lose the faith that was beginning to take hold in their life. What does he mean by the cares of the world in that passage? Well, I would suggest to you that it could mean that they like to drink and cuss and do all those kind of things, or it could mean that they really are concerned about making a living for their family. And we would go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we'd deal with it from that passage, where those who are set on pleasing their wife. Nothing wrong with that. Paul wasn't saying there was anything wrong with it. But sometimes it's just we get caught up life. Everybody else wants to be served. Everybody else worries. Everybody else gets caught up in the things of this world. If Jesus was preaching on worldliness, He might have some things to say about that. But let's look at another thing. You know, it's not just about making lists of saying things that are wrong in regard to worldliness. There are some other things that we need to remember in regard to that. Turn to the book of John, if you will, chapter 17, verses 9 through 18. There are some things, Brother Terry read this this morning in our scripture reading, and, and, and I want to go back through and just read a few things out of that passage one more time. We have it on, uh, from the English Standard Version on the screen. Jesus is praying. This is on the night before his crucifixion. Sometimes we call this the real Lord's Prayer because it's him actually praying just before his crucifixion the very next day. And he says, I'm praying for them. He's praying for the apostles in particular that he mentions there. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, the ones who are... Not as apostles, not as disciples, not as followers. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you've given me. For they are yours. All all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world. But they are in the world. They're still there. They still will be. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one. We like to preach on the oneness, and that's a good thing to preach on about the unity. It goes on, verse 12, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. That they are not, uh, they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in thy truth. Your word is truth. As as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. I didn't take time to count it up, but I would suggest to you one of the words that is used most often in Jesus' prayer on the night before His crucifixion was the word world. You probably caught that. I I did that extended reading for a reason. Jesus used the word world world, a lot. And so, if he were preaching, I would think he would probably have something to say in regard to the world in that case. But I want you to notice something. What he says here, he says, verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. You see, Jesus, he did not want to, the Father to somehow extract His apostles from the world. But He did want the Father, He did ask the Father to protect them, as it were, from the temptations that are there from the evil one. From the evil one. Well, what is the point? The point is this. Christians should have contact with human society. We need to have contact with the people of the world. You know, some Christians have reacted to the separation that we are to have from the world. They have reacted to that separation from the world in such a way that they have become so much like the world that you can't tell the difference. You couldn't tell them. You couldn't put them in a, in a big pan and shake them up and, and stroll them out, you know, sort of like the old Yahtzee game or something, and tell the difference between one who is a Christian and one who is in the world if you consider all that they do. They have become so accustomed to not separating themselves from the world that they have become like the world. But on the other hand, on the other hand, There are those in our world who are Christians who have reacted to separation from the world by separating themselves so that they have little or no interaction with the world. Jesus didn't pray to the Father and say, Father, would you please stop the world and let them get off? They're in the world. Did you notice that he said a couple of times at least, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. They're not like the world. They don't practice the things that the world is doing, but they're in the world. Now listen to this really carefully, because there there will be a test at the end. You'll have to answer the question. How could the apostles ever have done their job if they had no contact with worldly people? How could they ever have spread the gospel if they had no contact with worldly people? Well, they couldn't. And that was the answer to the question. And then I already answered that thing for you. Y'all all all made a hundred. They couldn't. Matter of fact, in Jesus' own example, those people who didn't like him very much and didn't like what he was doing, they threw some accusations his way, didn't they? Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, The Son of Man, He came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at Him, a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's what they said about Him. Notice another passage, Luke chapter 5, look at verse number uh, 29, 30, and so forth. The Bible says, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They wanted to know, not for the purpose of, well, I'd really like to know. They wanted to know because, well, we want to have something against you. You folks are associating with the the scum of the earth. You're there with them. Now remember what Jesus prayed. They're in the world. He was in the world. But he was not of the world. And they were not of the world. Not like it. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Well, Jesus had an answer for them. Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, they're the ones who need it. I have come to call not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Where are you going to find sinners? Well, preacher, we got sinners at church. Okay. We're having an invitation song in just a few minutes. Let's take care of it. But where are the rest. You see, the point is, we can't so separate ourselves from the world that we have no contact, that we have no interaction with the world. We can't play this guilt-by-association game, this card that sometimes people play. You know, one of the things that you hear a lot in our society today is, Somebody doesn't like something and somebody else is doing so, they'll play the race card or they'll play the gender card. Unfortunately, sometimes in the body of Christ, we have come to play the guilt by association card. I wonder if these same people would say the same thing about Jesus. You're guilty. Jesus would say, well, not in the way that you're talking about it. I'm with them, but I came to save them. I didn't come to act like them. I didn't come to talk like them. I didn't come to be like them. I came to make them like me, to persuade them to be like me. And so this morning, when we start thinking about the world and worldliness, need to remember Jesus doesn't set His limits, doesn't draw His limits at the same place that we do. But He also says that it's going to be, the world will be here and that you will be in it and that you need to influence it. You need to make a change in it. It doesn't change you, you change it. Now very quickly as we... Get ready to close out our lesson this morning. There are three takeaways that I want you to take home with you today. Number one, be careful with your list. Two reasons that you need to be careful with your list. Number one, Jesus did draw His circle a little bigger than ours, and so sometimes our list doesn't include everything Jesus includes, and we want to be more like Him. Number two, when we, when we draw our list, people see our list... They'll, if you noticed a while ago, when I was doing that little list, I had some check marks beside me, some of them. I don't know if you noticed that or not, that's what people do. They'll check these things off and say, I'm, I'm not this, and I'm not that, and I'm not the other, and therefore I must not be worldly. Be careful with your list. We want to be sure that ours matches Jesus, but we don't want to give folks the false impression. That just because they don't do certain things, that they're not worldly. Number two, worldliness can involve omission. Omission. What do we mean by that? Well, sometimes we just omit doing the things that we're supposed to do. I can and I am worldly when I do certain things such as the ones that are on the list. Okay? I am worldly. There's no doubt about that. But I also may be worldly because of what I don't do. I'm like the rulers of the Gentiles if I simply want to be served and not serve. Worldliness can involve omission, number three. Not only that, but don't be fearful of worldly, so fearful of worldly people that you fail to go into all the world. Do you remember the words that Jesus spoke? Go into all the go into all parts of the church building and preach the gospel to every creature who's sitting in the pews on Sunday morning. <laughs> I don't know of a translation that would even come close to that. You go into all the world. Don't be so fearful that we fail to do what Jesus told us to do. This morning, what if we were more like Christ in our ideas regarding Worldliness? What if we were? We'd have peace from worry. We'd be serving the Lord in His kingdom. Our priorities would get in order. Perhaps even the world would be better evangelized. That's what we work on, isn't it? We try to become more like Him, less like the world. And when we do, we make an impact. We make a change. This year we've had a number of young people and others who've been baptized. We hope we continue to help make a change in the world. We want the world to see Jesus not Christians to be like the world. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would love to assist you with that. If you're here this morning and in the past you have become a Christian, but your life has not been like that, that the Lord directs you to live, and you need to make a public confession of that. We'd love to pray with you and for you. If you need to respond, to it right now as we stand and sing.